Hello everyone and thank you for coming back to yet another episode of the Glovin' Paradigm. I am your host Peter aka LPD8 Dubuque and this week is going to be a very interesting week but before I get into today's topic I just want to give this huge huge shout out to the Reddit community. I have recently just started posting on Reddit because I wanted to expand my audience and holy crap did I not expect so much of a wave of feedback and input from many of them. So. Thank you to everyone who's on the Reddit community subreddit of Gloving. You guys are awesome. I'm so glad you guys are actually communicating with me. I love actually discussing these ideas with everyone. So shout outs to you guys. Thank you so much for actually responding with me. I hope you guys actually had a pretty good holiday break. This holiday break was kind of a crazy one. Uh, I know there was a lot of festivals going on. So I hope if you guys went to a festival that you guys were doing so responsibly and actually enjoying yourself while also being safe. Uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff that also happened during the break in terms of gloving. However, that subject is going to be reserved to the next episode because it is a huge thing. And to be perfectly honest with you, as a content creator like myself, it is a goldmine to actually have something to talk about in terms of hot news when it comes to the gloving community. So, be sure to turn in next week for that. It's going to be a very interesting one. All I'm going to say about it is it was pretty heated pretty much during the break between Christmas and New Year's when this one all went down. It was pretty pretty crazy, so definitely tune in next week for that. But this week, this week is something I've been wanting to cover for a good while, but I wanted to make sure I had a lot of information on it to not only, you know, show how it applies to gloving, but how it was historically been used, basically. So, I asked a couple of days ago, pretty much, you know, the whole topic of color theory and the main reason why I was asking this is because it feels like this is something that's very seldomly talked about now I know there are a couple proprietors in the gloving lounge community and, and some people on reddit as I saw uh, who have discussed about it but there was not much more discussion on it so what I want to provide is a detailed analysis of what color theory is historically and how we can take it and apply it to gloving to expound on our you know on our craft so first things first i'm sure some people are asking if not everyone what is color theory color theory is pretty much a body of practical guidance when it comes to color mixing now the earliest accounts of color theory even being spoke about has been as early as the 15th century i think the the earliest year was 19 not 19 excuse me 1435 that was pretty much the earliest accounts where that was being discussed but never really took off. Not until the 18th century. The 18th century is where, where color theory really put its foot down and actually gained it, you know, a whole level of structure. What did the 18th century brought to us was the three primary colors of color being red, yellow, and blue. Now, it has been like that pretty much the entire time. However, it all depends on what you're talking about in specific surfaces or materials that you're using when it comes to colors. Now, the red, yellow, blue model is good. However, there is a lot of inaccuracies when it comes to this model due, due to the fact that was when science started gaining more knowledge and understanding of certain things, the more they realize how inaccurate this model is because it's speaking on in terms of pure color value like pure red and pure yellow and pure blue like ideal colors which as science starts to show us that's not necessarily true due to the fact that you know there's 
and you know and colorants and purities and perfections when it comes to you know paints dyes and inks and things like that however you know there wasn't a huge move about it until about the 19th century where a lot of people wanted to expound more on it and you know there's that classic struggle of no this is how it's going to be and it should be like this forever and people are trying to bring out new ideas so on and so forth so there was pretty much a good re you know revision during the 19th century and what actually came out of that was two major factions when it comes to color theory. And then the two major factions are your subtractive color theory, or you know, color mixing, and then you have your additive color mixing. Now, main difference between the two is how they operate. Of course, you know, subtractive color mixing is you're subtracting colors from it to bring it down to a basic. You know, additive color, you add more colors to make new colors. It's kind of like that. So the one thing you need to know when it comes to these is subtractive mostly entails itself to inks like on a computer printer things like that you know other dyes and paints subtractive color mixing is where you want to be when it comes to lights is additive color mixing theory is what we have to focus on now i will go over a little bit about subtractive theory just so you guys understand what the subtractive component is about that way you can understand about the additive theory of it a little bit better. So when it comes to subtractive color mixing, the three primary colors is yellow, cyan, and magenta. And when you mix two of them together, it will bring a new color. So if you take, let's say, yellow and cyan and you mix them together, you get green. And if you mix magenta and yellow together, you get red. If you mix magenta and cyan together, you get blue. The science behind subtractive color theory is that with the materials or surfaces that the that you're putting the paint or ink or dye on what that is doing is absorbing all the other colors in the visible spectrum except for what the color is supposed to be so if you're using red paint it's absorbing all the colors in the visible spectrum except for red it's reflecting it now that's a major thing you want to keep in mind when we start moving over towards lights so there's that whole thing about you know impurities and things like that and that's where this attractive one came into play so with the absence of colors and subtractive theory it's white as you add the three primary colors you start getting the mixes but if you mix all three of them together you make black now let's move on to additive color theory since i covered that for you i hope that was enough to pretty much explain what subtractive theory is but when you when you want to think about subtractive theory it's mostly entailing inks paints or dyes now additive color theory is where we want really really want to focus on main reason is because Additive color theory is for the property of lights. And that's what we use. We use lights. We use colored lights to perform. So, you know, you have your three primary colors as usual, which in this case, when it comes to additive color theory, it's red, green, and blue, which if you take note from subtractive color theory, those are the secondary colors. It's basically how you're gonna realize how that works. So when it comes to additive color theory, you have red, green, blue. Those are your primary colors. That's how it's gonna be. Now, when you mix blue and green together you get cyan when you mix red and green together you get yellow when you mix red and blue together you get magenta so those are your secondary colors so why does this actually play into gloving basically <laughs> is really really simple one it's what we use all the time it's the main basis of our entire art form is lights and the colors that they are providing you know one of the things that people need to understand when it comes to especially when it comes to light is not necessarily how it works like when opposed to like paints or dyes. So when it comes to light, it is the ability of our eyes detecting color 
to understand the color that the light is emitting. And that's one of the major things that you also need to take into mind as well is that with colors, especially when it comes to light, is you know our eyes detecting the color that is being emitted. It is not detecting the color that's being reflected off of a surface. Not only that, things being reflective, we actually get much more wider variety of colors to be actually be seen. One major thing that I know a lot of people have talked about in the past, and I mean in the distant past, like 2014, if I remember correctly, and people are asking if there was a way to make brown in light. Fortunately, science has shown us that in additive color theory, brown is not possible. It's just an impossibility. And the main reason why I'm talking about this is, especially when it comes to programmables. Programmables is going to be using your additive color theory to make the different colors that it provides. So that's something you want to take into account when you're actually programming is, okay, understanding how these lights actually make the colors is actually gonna give you much more of an advantage of how you place your colors and on their tints and so on and so forth. So if you're trying to make brown a thing in lights, it's just it's just not gonna happen. Unfor as unfortunate as it is, uh, the closest thing you can probably get is to like a burnt, uh, a burnt orange. It's probably like the closest thing you can get to a brown. So if you're, if you're one of those people who are in the camp that trying to make brown a thing in, in gloving, I'm sorry, it's just not gonna work. As much as I would like it to work because having something to represent chocolate color would be awesome in a light show. <laughs> but however, I'm digressing. So one thing you also want to know is that when you put all three color lights together, it makes white pretty much if you were listening to the subtractive color theory that you could probably put that together. So how are we going to be applying this to gloving is pretty, pretty simple in my opinion. Um, one of the things that I always think about is my color placement. A good example in my opinion is like, let's say you're doing a six color set and you want to do the three primary colors and the three secondary colors. So let's say you're going to start with red. Boom. All right. You got red. So the next color, the next primary color you want to do is green. So what's the secondary color of those two? That's yellow. So you're going to put yellow in between your red and green, same as I am between your green and blue and magenta in between your blue and red. What this is actually going to do when you actually think about how your light works is as it's shifting in between each one so let's say you start with red the red diode is going to be on then you're going to do yellow so red and green are going to be on then it's going to just go green and so on and so forth if you're actually catching on to that pattern um what this also provides is actually a way to make those colors much more vibrant especially with the secondary colors one of the things i've learned over the years when it comes to programmable ones is the fact that especially now that we're on a three-prong system, which of course, if you get it, it's the three primary colors or those three prongs, is how how the programming of your light placement actually will affect the overall outcome of your light setup. And I know that's probably a little bit far-fetched, but it's just something I've noticed over the years. Um, if I do like red, green, yellow, the yellow just kind of takes a weird look to me. It kind of goes a little bit too far on the green side, kind of giving me a lime color. Um, if I do it on the red side, then it gives me more of an orangey thing. And I don't know why that is per se, except for the fact of how we went from a one prong LED to a three LED prong setup. But it's just something I noticed over the years. And it's something that I feel like it's actually really important for people to understand. So that's one of the things that I always take into consideration when it comes to color theory and color placement is how those things work. Now, a big thing that I see you know, the color theory actually come into play with is tint control. 
Now, I'm not just saying that the whole mechanic of tent control, I'm talking about the idle tint that your lights will take on after you program in your color set. You know, it's one of those things I feel like not a lot of people really take into account, um, unless that's one of the themes that you have going on with your set. You know, the, the perfect kind of thing I can think of when it comes to tint control is the best example I've used is I made a set with my chromas. I think they were the chroma 24s if I remember correctly. I think I was still on those at the time. And I was on the first mode and I just wanted to do a nice giant callback to the old original set, which was pretty much, if you actually guys remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong really. If it's the Skittles Glove Light Show from Beyond Wonderland in 2010, it was pretty much a twist on that set where he had his index ring and pinky RGB and his middles were yellow. Now what I did is I wanted all my lights to have the same setup, but I wanted my tints to be different. So how I approached this was, you know, okay, the middles need to be yellow, so the tint needs to be yellow, so how do I make it so profoundly yellow without losing all the colors of the lights? And then how do I have the yellow hidden so the other tints are actually the traditional E-Raven, you know, strobe tint, you know, it's that cyanish color. So what I did is for the middle ones, since I took in the color theory into consideration, I did red, yellow, green, blue, being red high, yellow high, green high, blue medium. And that did produce a very strong yellow tint. Now when it came to the other fingers, it was pretty much just doing the same setup. However, I went red medium, yellow medium, green high, blue high, and that gave me that classic, you know, the classic RGB tint where it's really cyan, almost white. So when I'm kind of like doing tutting and stuff, it looks like that classic, that classic impacting style look. However, when I move my hands around, like especially when you see them in whips and flails, it's all a single setup. It's all the red, yellow, green, blue setup. And I know a lot of people, when I gave that show, this was probably back in like 2015, if I remember correctly. We, <laughs> they all thought I was using seven colors when I had to explain to them it's only four colors. And this actually kind of segues into another thing that I actually really, really wanted to talk about. Because I know a lot of people don't really take this into consideration, but it is something of note. And that is chroma blending. Now, what I call it chroma blending. A lot of people call it color blending, light blending, whatever the case may be. I call it chroma blending because it particularly deals with the color that we're using. Right, so let's just, let me try to ex explain this effect to you so you can understand where I'm coming from. So let's just say that you're wearing one of your gloves, right? And you turn on all of your fingers. Now, let's just say that you have all of your fingers pointing horizontally, kind of like doing the whole little duckbill thing, where you're keeping all of your fingers straight and all of your lights at the same, you know, at the same level. And what you're gonna do is you're basically going to rotate your hand back and forth like you're doing the cut signal with your neck where you just like cut it ideal but instead of doing that towards your neck you're going to do that towards your eyes and you're going to keep that nice and level so all the lights stay on one singular plane and what you're going to notice is that since all your lights are pretty much at the same distance the colors of your lights are going to start blending together now i know normally you're probably going to see mostly white but you always, if you actually take a good nice look you actually see a lot of your colors blending together into a, an amorphous glob of light basically and that's what i call chroma blending and i know not a lot of people think that this is something to really take into account but it is something i often think about 
when it comes to me setting up my colors because I gotta see how they're gonna blend together. And then something that's of trial and error at the very end, which I'm not gonna get into a whole discussion of how I do that, but but it is something I do take into account is because you know I don't want certain colors to be lost in that whole chroma blending. I want those to stick out, so I have to take into consideration not only what colors am I using, but if it's a color that has its own sets of variations of it, which one should I use and on which tint? Which that's another example when it comes to chroma blending is, you know, maybe, you know, if, let's say you're using yellow and the other colors you're using really kind of change the, you know, kind of change its tint to more of a whitish color or a greenish color. Maybe using banana yellow would be much more. In my opinion, I use banana yellow more than the actual yellow just because when I go on lower tints, it really does not lose the yellow tint that it has going for it. And it's a much more richer color in my opinion. So, you know, there's something like that. And like taking into example things like the pink category, you know, there's like eight different pinks that we have on our lights now. <laughs> you know, if you want to have a night nice light color but you don't want it to be so bright then you're gonna look at the lightest pinks and put it on a lower setting that way you're not losing it when you mix it to like a red or a blue because that's what tends to happen at least from what I've seen I've seen that kind of happen and it's one of the biggest things I know a lot of people talk about is the purple uh, the purple bleeding problem which is you know if you use purple with like a good amount of blues and stuff you actually lose it in the blue and it just looks like another blue that is something that i've always taken into consideration when it comes to me using purple is like okay what other colors can i use that doesn't wash this out you know and i know some people might say well just keep purple on a higher color well to me when you do that it still looks too bright or light in terms of the color like Kind of like how lavender is, but just like a shade down from lavender ideal. And like if you actually look at lavender when you actually mess around with the tints, how it goes a little bit more red. That's one of the things that you need to understand when it comes to programmables. Now, a little side note when it comes to bulb chips. The bulbs, how they're set up is that the diodes are actually coated with the color that they're going to be using. So let's just say, for example, purple, white, green. You're going to have a purple diode, a white diode, and a green diode. Main reason why bulbs are so much better when it comes to color vibrancy is because they're not restricted to the additive color theory when it comes to programmables. Now, I can pretty much tell you, you know, when it comes to color mixing and additive color theory, it's all about different luminosities in terms of color intensities. You know, and then there's also wavelengths that's a whole different subject that you have to take into account. So, you know, there's all these different things you have to take into account when it comes to you know your color theory and especially when it comes to your lights because you have to take into consideration you know your tint control like you know are you worried about what your tints look like when they're on idle if that's not really a huge problem to you then that's fine but to somebody like me I actually take into consideration how my tints are gonna look because I want my tints to actually complement the motion of lights trails if that makes sense of the color scheme so like if I move one finger around while my other hand is like set, I want the idle lights to complement the whole color scheme that's going on. Now I know there's like simple thought processes that will make your tints a certain color that's the main base of the colors that you're using, stuff like that. However, that's a huge different thing. One other thing that I do, well there's two other things, but one other major thing that I always like to talk about when it comes to color theory and how to apply the gloving is yet think about your flashing patterns that you're using. You know, a, a good example that I like to use 
when it comes to flashing patterns in the tents and stuff is there's an old adage that I don't know if Amazing Light still uses this. I don't know if any other company actually still talks about this, but uh, a good example that they would use back in the day was using a solid color. So like, let's just say you're using the iNova on the high beam. So you get a nice solid, right? And then if you put a light on top of that light that has like, a, let's just say a dot effect. So it's, you know, just little dots and you stack them on top of each other and you move them up and down is that you're going to see the strobe peeking through the solid color. So you get like this whole different new effect. That's something you have to take into consideration when it comes to your flashing patterns, especially if you're mixing up flashing patterns, how they're going to blend together to actually make it, you know, make your set a good selling point. You know, that's just a very typical example I can think of. There's, you know, you can probably do a whole lot more. Like if you use like a pulse flash pattern and you have your other finger on dots now, you know, it breaks through the pulse parts and actually ends the pulse parts with a different color type deal you have you have a whole different slew of stuff when it comes to that you know and of course when it comes to this whole color theory what's another great example of what where it applies your themes and gimmicks when it comes to your your glove sets you know a good example for me is like i'm a huge fan of legend of zelda ocarina of time so i wanted to make an entire glove set full of colors that would represent each temple in the game so one mode would be a certain flash pattern, certain set of colors to represent like the forest temple, and then the next one would be the fire temple, and the next one would be the water temple, and so on and so forth. You know, there there's a theme that I like to do. You know, or there's just certain gimmicks, like you have a certain flash pattern that you like a lot. A good example for me is like the bit fourth mode. That's like one of my favorite flashing patterns ever because I like the whole discolorization as you know, you move your hands and there's like two different colors, but one's not so prominent so it kind of peeks out. You know, that's something that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. You know, you gotta have to take in consideration how your colors are gonna look when you're in that specific flash pattern. Because if you look at like hyperstrobe, hyperstrobe is a really bright flashing pattern. Then you look at dops, and dops is actually a much lower intensity in terms of brightness when it comes to your flash patterns. You know, and that's just because different luminosities and intensities, you know, provide different effects. Case in point, hyperflash to dops. <laughs> so, those are the things you gotta think about when it comes to color theory. But a couple of things I would also like to part with you is things to consider when it comes to making your color sets. One is flash patterns will affect your idle tint. So if you're somebody like me who takes in consideration your idle tint a lot more than I feel like the average person does, you gotta also take in consideration what flashing pattern you're using. So you gotta adjust your color scheme according to that flash pattern. Like if you look at flicker, flicker, it, the flash pattern on that one in terms of idle it's kind of weird it's looks cool but you know since it's much more broken up and it kind of gives me much more of a stuttery look you're, you're not probably not going to get as easy as a color blending you know additive color theory blend in terms of your idle as opposed to something like hyperstroke where you could really really get the color mixing right there you know again i'm going to use dops as a good example because dops is a naturally low light setting flash pattern for a specific reason because that's how it works and that's how you get the effect of being little dots of course so you know putting a low light color on dots tends to wash it away really far out like it gets so dim that you could probably barely even see it to the point like if you're actually going to record a show with that you might as well not have a backlight on just so people can actually see that color pop out so definitely consider what flashing patterns you're using with your colors and if you feel like 
it's too dim, maybe you have to bring all your brightness settings all the way up on your tint control. If you feel like it's too bright, then you can actually knock everything down a peg. That's what I tend to do when it came to at least hyperstrobe. Uh, depending on the setup, if it was all just one general color scheme and there was no fluctuation in flashing tints, then I would just all keep it on medium just so it wasn't so bright compared to all my other sets. So an another thing, number two to consider when it comes to additive color theory is that the color is being emitted, not reflected. And I know I said that earlier in the beginning when it came to like subtractive color theory, but it's something that you definitely need to remember is that this is your eye detecting the color being emitted, not reflected. So there are limitations that light has because your eye is actually detecting the color from the light, not the property of the light itself. Now, I can, I'm sure I'm gonna probably hear from people about the visible spectrum wavelength thing, which I definitely understand and I definitely know, but that's not, that's not how your eye detects color by the wavelength thing. That's, that's completely different. So that's something you need to remember is it's emitted, it's not reflected. So the, the mechanism of us detecting the color is different as opposed to looking at like a painting or a printing from a computer. Third one I want to let you guys know about is that only additive, you know, additive color mixing applies here, especially when it comes to idle tinting. Okay. It, you know, you, you, <laughs> there's no way you can subtract colors from light in this sense you know it's just because that's how the property is you know light is just being you know the emission of light is so different than the reflection of light so that's just something you have to pretty much accept now i'm not saying that all the other color theories out there are not able to be used in gloving that's completely a misperception that you're probably getting from me i will tell you as the final note is to actually experiment with other color theories in terms of when you're actually selecting colors, you know, you have comp complementary colors, which is, you know, like red and green, orange, uh, yellow and purple, excuse me, blue and orange. You know, you have those as your complementary colors and you can actually mix them together and they actually won't wash each other out, but actually intensify each other. That's one of the things that people will tell you. You know, when it comes to one particular color that you want to use in the whole scheme of things, but it's just not mixing well, you might want to try a different pretty much a different variation of that color, you know? And again, I'm gonna just use pink for this example because pink has so many different variations when it comes to light. You know, maybe bubblegum pink is just not the right pink. Maybe it's just too too saturated of a red to actually pull it off. So maybe you wanna try to go to a lighter pink, you know, a, a soft pink probably would be best. You know, it's things like that. But that's pretty much all for this episode. If you've listened to this far, I'm actually Super glad you made it this far. Congratulations, you won the prize. That's pretty much my take on color theory. There is a whole, there is a whole different slew of history and information when it comes to color theory. So if you actually want to explore more about color theory, you can definitely just start looking up online, looking up on a lot of forums where people actually discuss about it. But when it comes to gloving and color theory, it is something that I feel like if you utilize it, it will bring a whole different, deeper level of thought when it comes to your to your light shows. Um, I know not everyone's gonna have the same idea or understand the same idea that you're trying to convey, but that's all about the process here, right? So definitely wanna hear what you guys think about color theory. How do you guys wanna go forward with this? Is there anything you guys wanna talk about when it comes to like their tertiary colors? 
you know, do you want to talk more about how the light actually emits and how it works? Do you actually want to sit here and discuss things about color combinations and, you know, trying to tweak each one so you actually get the desired effect? You know, just tell me anywhere. You can tell me here. You can tell me on my Facebook page, which is aptly named The Gloving Paradigm. You can also get onto my Discord, which is in the description of this episode. And you can also email me at muttonchopguy at gmail.com. Other than that, I just want to thank everybody who's actually started liking the page. I know this past pretty much holiday break, I had a huge jump in likes and stuff. So thank you for everyone who's been liking the show so far. Please do not hesitate to give me any feedback on things that I can improve on so I can make it better for you guys. But that's pretty much all for this episode for this week. I am your host, Peter, a.k.a. LPD Dubuque, and I'll see you guys all next week.